production company. Praise the Lord. God bless you on this, the 2nd of July. The whole nation is ramping up for July 4th celebrations. The day that we've set aside to remember our independence. Our independence from tyranny, our independence from the rule of another nation. We just come out of Pride Month, a celebration to what exactly I'm not 100% sure. Because when I look at the Word of God, the Word of God tells me that if you have pride, be careful because your fall is soon to come. As we look at nations across the world, America itself is just a uh, baby nation, in essence. We're still very young, yet we've grown great in power, great in wealth, quickly. We have world impact, influence. And there are many that would look at the nation and you know, think all great things. You see, we have a border crisis because everyone wants to come to America. Even if you don't like America, people still want to come to America. They're trying to escape something in their own countries. But I think about, when I look at America, I think about the conversation that God had with one of his children when he commanded him to bring himself and his family out of a great city, a city called Sodom. Then I begin to wonder, is what we're seeing in America today representative of just the new of the old? Is America the new Sodom? And if it is, is America poised for God to pour out his wrath upon it? Now, I know, I know, I, I, I know. God's a loving God, and God, all he cares about is just your salvation, and, you know, everything else is just secondary. But I think that we're blinding ourselves and, and we're missing some very important things about God that we need to kind of refocus on and get back to, in a sense, getting back to the foundation of our faith, which is born from repentance. But repentance from what? It's repentance from sin. It's the power to be free, to enjoy real independence as we stand in God's grace and are bathed in his love. I want to talk to you today, uh, I don't know how long, I'm dressed comfortably so I may be up here just a little bit longer than normal, don't worry, if you get tired of me, just hit the pause button, come back when you get some more strength, but there's something that you really need to understand that the church is kind of glossing over. You see, I believe that we serve a holy God, and as his children, his expectation for us is that we too 
be holy. His word demands it. It calls for us. Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. So holiness then becomes the goal of every believer. I was looking at a clip on TikTok uh, late last night, early this morning, and they were talking about the spread of the gospel. And this one news anchor that they were showing this clip of was going on a rant about how tired she is of hearing people talk about God and talk about the Bible and talk about salvation and she doesn't believe in it and it's not for her if it's for you great that's good for you but she don't believe in none of that and she's just going on this whole tirade and I'm sitting there watching this with everything else that's going on in the nation and I'm, not, I'm really waiting like in this TikTok video that maybe she's going to get hit with lightning or something, you know, how when we do things, we kind of jokingly, um, you know, between ourselves, we'll slide away. I was trying to slide away from my, from my phone as I'm looking. I'm like, whoa. But there's a necessity within the body of Christ to be separate and different from the world. But as much as I see the world preparing for celebrations of independence, I see the church right along with them, celebrating in the same celebrations of the world. We're not separate. John 15 and 19 tells us that we should be hated, yet we struggle to be loved by the very thing that God says should hate us. It hated him, it should hate us. But we spend a lot of our energy and effort trying to get the world and its systems to love and accept us who call ourselves the children of the Most High God. I was looking at another clip uh, about it from a preacher. Uh, his name is Vadi Bachman, and I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says, but he says a lot of good things um, and, and our differences are more doctrinal uh, than salvational. But he said something. He was talking to a young, uh, young man about going to Harvard. And this young man was telling him that he wanted to go to Harvard because Harvard was the place where um, all the Supreme Court uh, justices come from. So if you have that pedigree, that Harvard pedigree, that degree from Harvard that says you graduated, you have a greater chance to maybe be appointed to the Supreme Court. That was his reasoning, his thinking behind going to Harvard. And he responds after uh, Vadi asked him why you want to go to a school that hates God, hates the word of God does everything it can to stand against the things of God. And that was the excuse he gave. And then Vadi asked a very strong question, or he really made a wonderful analogy that brought clarity to where our focus is. And he tells this young man, he says to this young man, so you're telling me that you believe more in man's process 
to succeed in whatever than you do God's. So what you're saying to me is rather than trusting God and going to a school that honors God and ultimately ending up in the Supreme Court because that's where God wants you and has placed you and has graced you and blessed you to be, you think that man's process is the best way to get there. And when I was thinking about this and I was listening to his response and him trying to uh, spiritually educate this young man, it reminded me of Abraham and Sarah. And then if you begin looking throughout scripture, you'll find that man often struggles with, am I going to do this God's way or am I going to do this my way? Am I going to follow the systems of God or am I going to follow the systems of man? Is my success founded upon the things of God or are they founded upon the things of man? And it, it, it makes us begin to think how far have we fallen from the foundation that is our faith? And I believe the foundation of our faith is holiness. You hear the old folks say this. You, you won't really hear young people say this uh, unless they're mimicking or, or uh, kind of teasing the, the older in the body of Christ. But you'll, you'll definitely hear the older saints say holiness is still right. It's not that it's still right. Holiness is right. Because holiness is a reflection of God. And if you're not holy, then you're unholy. And no unholy thing will be allowed in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily you making a mistake. Uh, making a mistake does not make you unholy. David made all kinds of mistakes throughout history, throughout uh, the Bible. God points out consistently man that he is used to do great things for the kingdom who constantly made mistakes, did stupid things, yet they were still in the body. I'm talking about a mindset that says, I can do it my way, and God's way is not necessary. A mindset that says, I know better of how to get to heaven than God does. I framed God in this picture that he's just this nice guy who just wants us to be with him and he'll do whatever he has to do to make us be able to be with him regardless of what we're doing. He's just a happy-go-lucky God. But we can't forget there's a reason God tells us things in Scripture. So we can't deny nor negate everything that's detailed in scripture and one of the things detailed in scripture is that is you know along with god loving us and having grace for us god also has wrath god has demonstrated his wrath in scripture against those who are unholy and defiled so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is do we want to walk in the love of God or do we want to bathe in the wrath of God?
Turn with me in the Word of God to the first book of Romans, and I'm going to read for your hearing starting at the 18th verse through the second chapter and the 16th verse. And I just want to talk to you today about this uh, idea of sin and the necessity of the children of God, uh, the people of God, to exemplify lives that do not reflect consistent sin. Again, you're in the body. And this is by no means an excuse to continue in behavior that you should be freed from, that you should be abstaining from a forceful action based upon a choice that you have made to follow the ways of God and not follow the ways of man, to satisfy God and not satisfy your flesh. But I want to remind you in this choice that is so easy that it's hard. I don't take away the idea that you, you just wake up one day and go, I'm going to sin today or I'm not going to sin today, and, and it's, it's just that easy. But it is just that easy, even though it is equally difficult because you're dealing with the condition of your flesh, which is the reason why the flesh must be crucified. Because if you give the flesh room to, to exercise or to grow, it's going to always lead you into the ways of man which lead to sin and sin will lead to death and death is separation from God eternally. Because God has wrath against sin. You don't hear too many preachers talking about sin, but I'm here to tell you that God called me, appointed me, and anointed me to remind you of what is true, and that is believers abstain from sin. And if we don't, we have to deal with the consequences of our actions because God has wrath against sin. Romans 1, 18 through 2.16. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in, right, in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You ought to underline that, without excuse. I have no excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. 
For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, this is chapter 2, verse 1. And this is so powerful of a statement in Scripture. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile but glory honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile for there is no respect of persons with God for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just before God but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel there are some things that we need to reflect on 
There are some things that we need to ask ourselves. Holiness is right. Holiness is right. There's a preacher that a lot of people know, Geno Jennings, and I can just hear him in my ear going, am I right about it? Holiness is right. Sin, a pattern practice lifestyle of that which is negative of God and his instruction is not right. And we need to reflect on this. What are some activities that are widely accepted in our society now, but were only condemned just a few years ago? Things that we say are okay now that we wouldn't have thought of saying was good to go just a few years ago. Have our standards changed? As every year has passed, have we moved the line of embarkation and debarkation? Have we said to ourselves that we establish the standard or are we standing upon what God has declared in his word? What does Paul's argument tell us about God as he's detailing these things in scripture? Well, I can tell you that I see that God has wrath comes from the uh, Greek word orge, anger. This, this kind of anger, though, is not an agitated outburst of violence as too many of us have realized in ourselves and what we see in our society each and every day. God's anger is not the anger that quickly blazes up and just as quickly fades away. It's not the anger that arises solely from a place or seat of emotion. Rather, the anger of God, the wrath of God is decisive anger. It is anger born of a decision that he has made. It is an anger that has arisen from a thoughtful decision, an anger that arises from the mind of God much more than from any place of emotion, which is where our anger typically arises from. And when you, you use anger in relationship to God, the anger of God is always righteous, it is always just, and it is always good. It's an anger that stands against sin. It stands against evil, violence, and slaughter, immorality, and injustice of men. It is an anger that abhors and hates sin. Uh, it, it, it despises evil, and it dishes out a just vengeance and equal justice. However, it is an anger that is deeply felt. In fact, it must be felt. Evil and corruption must be opposed and erased from the face of the earth if there is to be a new heavens and a new earth. And God has promised this very thing. There's coming a day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness and perfection will dwell forever. But we cannot gloss over the judgment of God. We cannot uh, gloss over or negate 
that God's anger is demonstrated in his judgment. The word tells us, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. I just read this to you, Romans 1 and 18. But the Bible also tells us, but after thy hardness and impentant heart uh, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, Romans 2 and 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? Romans 3, 5 through 6. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5 and 9. This is uh, actually one of the the scriptures that leads us into the understanding uh, of uh, a uh, pre-tribulation taking away, going home, calling of the church because the wrath of God poured out upon creation, poured out upon man, begins in the tribulation period. But God's promise is that we shall be saved from the wrath to come through him. Among whom also we also had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Ephesians 2 and 3. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hear you with God's word because there's nothing that preaches better than God's word let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience if you think that you're going to just do what you want to do and not deal with the wrath of God you got a whole nother thing coming for they themselves show of us what manner of entertaining in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come 1 Thessalonians 1 9 through 10 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says for God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ we have to understand that God is letting us understand he's showing us in his word that wrath is coming his wrath is coming God is decisive and he's not going to gloss over our uh, idiocy as a creation. We have to deal with God's wrath. God's anger is not against his children. It's against those who disobey his son. If you don't believe me, let's go to the word. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 3 and 36. God's anger is uh, demonstrated uh, against Israel in the wilderness. Hebrews 3 and 11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. God is not playing with our sin. There was the anger of the Lord uh, Jesus at the hardness of man's heart. The Bible declares, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, 